Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research, episode 100. I'm Jeff Wagner, and please welcome my ever-vigilant co-host, Hunter Ginn. Good evening, everyone. 100. 100. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful to have been on this ride with you, my friend. Of course, absolutely. Kind of surreal that we've gotten here finally. Yeah, it really is. And the subject of tonight's episode, Voivod, was something we thought about covering early, early, early on. And we kept pushing it partly out of fear, because I think for us, as much stuff that we've covered that we absolutely adore and worship and love, there are certain subjects and topics and bands and albums that are just almost too daunting. I think we came to that determination regarding Holy Terror, uh, what to say, what to do, maybe just leave it alone. You know what I mean? That's kind yep. of been our approach to that. And I, I know Voivod was tough, but uh, here we are. And we've been promising this for a while. So um, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think there's any way around this one. Um, there's no way around it. I mean, so much of what we talk about and what we cover, it it, it it leads back to King Crimson. It leads back to Rush and it leads back to Voivod. It, there are certain sort of like anchors <laughs> of everything we cover. And, um, and yeah, and Voiv like so many of those things too, as we will discuss are like Voivod emanates in every direction. Like it, it's absorbed the rush and the King Crimson of the past. And then, you know, it's transmitted its awesomeness into Norway and other parts. So absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's yeah I mean, kind of all, exciting. there's a song on Angel Rat where uh, they say running always in every direction. And uh, I think it's the outcast. That's certainly true here. But being episode 100 we we're going to dispense with any hyper celebratory stuff we have to do some house cleaning and some thanking of some people first of all we want to thank you i mean being the 100th episode anyone who's just listened to one episode we're grateful for it of course we're really super ultra grateful for the freaks who listen to every single episode and the we've come to find out there are a lot of them and they are all around the world and uh, we're really blown away by that both of us for sure i, I certainly can speak for hunter We've been blown away by you guys and your enthusiasm for this music and for radical research. And we want to thank a few people before we uh, get moving into Voivod. A donation from Neil. He just wants to be referred to as Neil. It seems that giving $19.93 has become a thing because he did. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> thank you, Hunter, for starting that, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I should have started uh, 20000 <laughs> right. Hundred and ninety-three. Right. Yeah, my favorite. My favorite movie is two thousand one. How about how about two thousand one dollars? Let's let's yeah. let's give that as a base offering to us. Uh, regardless, we're extremely grateful for Neil. Thanks, Neil. And he wrote us a great email about Death Row's deception ignored, and he also gave us some suggestions. I already had the idea to cover the proggy era of the British band Holocaust. I think I mentioned that to you, Hunter, about twenty episodes ago, as as a possibility. And he mentioned that too. So if there's at least one person out there that wants that, we will do it. So look for that at some point in the next 100 episodes. Also want to acknowledge another donation from someone whose name we can't locate, but it has something to do with comics and collectibles in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so thank you, sir or ma'am, whoever you are. Uh, we're happy to be your morning delivery route listening. They did tell us that much. Uh, also want to thank Forrest Pitts again. He keeps on giving. Uh, we keep on trucking and we're so happy to have him on our side. Very grateful for Forrest. And last but not least, Eric Lynch, who donated a sum and also sent us a very kind and thoughtful email regarding his thoughts on Radical Research. You can always donate to us via PayPal, our PayPal ID being the same as our contact email, radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. You can also head over to radicalresearch.org and find all of our previous episodes, all 99 plus some of our 0.5s. 
Also, my Soul on Fire and Destination Onward books. By early 2024, you'll also be able to find on our website my Voivod book, which will be titled, and this is going to be a soft launch announcement, as the kids say, of the title. It's going to be called Always Moving, the Strange Multiverse of Voivod. And that brings us to tonight's topic. As we say, they're always moving in every direction. This is Voivod. We labored over whether to do the obviously chronological presentation here, feeling that we needed something more special for Voivod initially. But then Hunter and I started talking, like, what is Voivod without the step-by-step evolution and mutation? Of all the fascinating elements of this band, it's their constant growth and the exploration of so many new facets every time that's so compelling. So we're going to discuss in order of discography from earliest to latest with quite a few diversions and footnotes as we move along. It won't cover absolutely every album. It's not going to be so exhaustive. We just set up the dartboard and tried to hit our favorite marks in the Voivod universe. I, I guess that's about as well as we could say it. But strap in. This is going to be a weighty episode. Much to say, much to listen to, so many parallels to draw. This is going to be a lot of fun, Hunter. I can't wait. We're going to start with listening to a song from their first album, 1984's War and Pain, and a song called Blower. We're going to listen to the final half of that monster. As you were saying, we felt like we needed to do something conceptual and arty in order to honor one of the most conceptual and arty metal bands ever. But now I I cannot imagine not doing it chronologically. And this, this is a perfect example of why. I mean, Piggy sounds more like Fast Eddie Clark here than he sounds. Snake sounds like he is uh, running from a a horde of aliens. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, we could talk about his vocals in this early era forever. One beautiful uh, thing that happened when I was interviewing Ian Christie for the Voivod book recently was he, he described early snake as somebody um, stabbing hot forks into his side. (laughs) Like it's kind of, it's just, it's the, it's the most authentically tortured and fucking just 
crazy life end you know life's gonna end and he's like traveling a, th- a thousand miles an hour to yep. that end yep yeah no i mean it's truly desperate vocal stuff i mean even now i think it would sound completely unhinged but 1984 wow yeah yeah well there, uh, you know their influences were if we're just going to boil it down to metal at the time, big ones, obviously for them were venom and motorhead. We can hear that there while they were into Prague, especially piggy, but away was very turned on at the time as well. They didn't have the ability yet. Piggy was always a little bit ahead of them at this time in terms of talent and, and just ability. Uh, but they didn't have the, the, the group ability to be Prague. So that, it was always in the back of their minds. What we hear here though, is just contemporary of Hellhammer contemporary of Bathory, contemporary of the other stuff in 84 that was just starting to emerge. And it's just, you know, early creator, just the, the really, really, really ugly underground stuff. And even amongst that horde, they always had a uniqueness. I got into them in this era in 84, probably early 85, I guess I was 14 or 15 years old and, you know, discovering all that stuff, around that time and you know back then you know your resources were limited your your access was limited but a friend of mine brought home war and pain which i summarily went out and bought immediately after after we listened to his copy <laughs> and uh but i just will never ever ever forget it we'd heard the name in like kerrang or something and it was a really really captivating name like voivod what what is that you know and there was a picture of the band in this Kerrang article and it, and it, they looked intriguing there. Uh, and then you look at this artwork. Um, and although the front cover is just really, really impressive and iconic as hell uh, and, and, and affecting, like it really it sets a, an atmosphere and a mood um, to me, the back cover was even, even more so because it, it was just dark, dark, dark. It was like black on Brown on black you know it was just like this really and you know always calligraphy was all drippy and and sinister yeah. looking uh and really just the, the whole thing i don't believe bands are truly ever dangerous but like voivod seemed clandestine maybe would be a better yeah. word like th- you're entering a place of darkness that that as a 15 year old i hadn't i hadn't yet gone even though i knew slayer even though i knew bathory even though i knew a lot of this kind of stuff this was still so new and so haunting and and scary and attractive as hell and and you know the band names uh especially like away like it was like the drummers called away like it's just none of this really made a whole lot of sense in the real world but as i would come to find out as we all know now they exist yeah. absolutely in their own world these guys are like supreme realm builders world builders of, of the ultimate type and that's what they that's what they offered me and, and my imagination and as we have mentioned already, they, they kept moving, they kept moving forward. And, and what kept them compelling for me was like, it was not only, not only attracted genuinely to everything they did, but where they were going every time. It was astounding. Just yeah, absolutely astounding. I hate to compartmentalize the different parts of the original lineup, but like they got even crazier on Roar. Yeah. Uh, to me, um, even darker. Um, even more cryptic. I mean, even to this day, I mean, the the same sort of impenetrable horror that you would get in Order from Chaos, you mm-hmm. know, the American Black Death Band, um, yep. Pete Helmkamp, has its roots in Roar. So just as they would continue to be, to, to 
get more technical, more advanced, more progressive. The way they progressed from war and pain to roar, I mean, to me, it's just um, just as exceptional. Um, they just amplified all the intensity and the weirdness and the darkness of war and pain and came up with really what is, to my mind, and I know yours too, kind of a singular moment in, in metal. Uh, absolutely. Uh, not only in their discography, but in metal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there have been very few imitations of it. And you're right to bring up Order from Chaos, because when I listen to Order from Chaos, I do hear a band that, a rare band that has probably primarily taken Roar as influence. That's probably the top three influence on, on Order from Chaos. So yeah. if anybody out there loves Roar, but doesn't know Order from Chaos, you'd be well advised to go check them out. But yeah. So, it, let it, us say that Jeff would Jeff and I would never advise under legal uh conditions anyone listening to order from chaos what happens <laughs> to you is is on you you're an adult you made that decision jeff and i are just saying if you love roar and you hadn't checked it out maybe you should excellent disclaimer man i, I appreciate that and this one took i think not only me but a lot of fans at the time a while to get into it was i think you said impenetrable if you didn't yes. we should yeah i did yeah, it, it, it's exactly the it's a, it's a perfect word for it, um, and 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 as oppressive looking and and as the as the album cover, which is the album cover. Yeah, you were going there. I mean, it is truly frightening. Oh, it's it's amazing. It, it just looks like it sounds and sounds like it looks. It is, it's a perfect package. I'll never forget looking at it on the wall in the store, knowing war and pain, and going yes. I mean, no, no question in the limited income that that one's coming home. Uh, and of course, the band pictures on the back. You know, this was a band too. You you started talking about Roar here in this segment um, by talking about each of the four guys, um, and I don't think you I don't think you got there, but let's let's get there because we we mentioned Snake already. We mentioned Piggy, I think, with Warren Payne, sounding like Fast Eddie Clark. We also had Blackie and Away, of course, and the four of them were like a Kiss or a Beatles. And I know we've mentioned this sort of quartet in the past on past episodes, depending on what band we're talking about. But they were like just each so equal in what they were giving to the band, not only in performance or creativity, but just in personality and just everything, you know, the character, the look. Um, they were a gang. They were. Yep. Yeah, they looked like a real band and they looked like a thing that doesn't exist in normal life. They just they they put on the armor, the spikes. And the back cover of Roar is one of the greatest back covers of all time. I've talked about the back covers a lot. I guess I like them as much as the fronts. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they and you know, the scrawl, the great away scrawl. Yeah, what can we say? This was a tough one to get into though, because it was so dense and so noisy. It took me a few years to really come to terms with this one, although I know I always liked it. I just never loved it as much as the ones around it uh, until later. I speak of it in hallowed tones as you do, Hunter. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Ripping Headaches. Shiva, you want to follow? There are many exes, 
to me, they already sound as as wild and um, you know frenetic as they are on Roar. They already sound more confident to me too. Mm. Um, uh, Away, especially, sounds more intense. Sounds like he's pounding his drums more furiously, but they just sound somehow even more possessed too, like or more determined. Like you know that this band even in this early stage has a drive about them that will lead them to greatness. Ah, nice. Yeah. I, I hear that. And in hindsight, I probably hear that more, uh, especially with your urging. That's great. Yep. Well, we know, we all know where they'd go and we'll, we'll get there in a second, but yeah, the, the album's just full of, of just chaotic stuff. There's, there's moments on it that I, I still couldn't, draw from memory and i could probably sit down with you and go through the first seven albums and hum along to them by (laughs) just by memory almost real time except for moments on roar like i don't think i could bring up a lot of horror i know some of it horror what do you see you know there's 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 moments but there's then there's parts that are still i can't grasp yeah they're not made to be memorable they are just they're like you know i've likened this album a lot a lot of times and i've i've written it before i've said it before i'll say it again it's like watching and hearing buildings collapse just one after the other um (laughs) and it's a mess you know it's completely disorganized and that's the beauty of it really but i yeah i love it and listening to yeah oh yeah sorry no it's okay i just you know i was going to mention hell driver being probably the only one that has a has kind of a an aesthetic link to war and pain. That one seems a little more say traditional metal, which you could hear in war and pain. And the rest of roar sounds like roar. sounds like 86. Sounds like it could have never come before 85 anyway. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's so of its time. And it's harder to identify those earlier influences on roar. Roar is just them coming completely and utterly into their own. Yep. Going back and listening to ripping headaches, I was struck by how much, carnivore i heard in voivod or how much voivod i heard in carnivore but there's definitely you hear that yeah i would never think of roar as like a crossover but you hear the where punk urgency and you know this wild ass metal heaviness meet in ripping headaches now you're opening up some some cans of worms here first of all of course we know they were influenced by a lot of punk and hardcore yeah, I mean, sure. away is wearing a discharge shirt on the back cover i think as he's playing drums i'm pretty sure that's a discharge shirt we know that they're into that stuff so that that's certainly fed into to the whole ugly ugliness here that we're hearing on roar but the final result yeah it's not like we could call them a crossover band at this point it's just you know it's it's obviously like weird voivodian thrash metal of its yeah. own kind with with some of those influences the other thing is which carnivore album because obviously there's there are two carnivore albums and they're yep. they're this they're they're the same but they're different you know what i mean like i, I hear the the first one i uh, okay um, your retaliation has a, a lot of variety about yeah, it yeah um, i hear the first one as well I, I i not until you mentioned it though but now that you mentioned it i can i can see the parallel it, absolutely and it, it, it's of the same era 85 86 yep. my eyes love lost my balls in a blast I 
let's get weird. So one thing that Voivod did that a lot of, I guess, productive, super creative, prolific bands do in their prime was create music endlessly in the sense that like when they were creating, when, you know, by the time they finished roar, they'd already had order of the black guards written, which is from the next album. That was the first one to emerge from the album that became killing technology, the third album, which was released in 87. And so when they were touring roar, they were writing killing technology. So this stuff was just like coming on the back of roar. The result was killing technology, which found the band on noise as, as was roar. Uh, we failed to mention that war and pain was released on metal blade. They went to noise for three albums for roar and then killing technology for killing technology. They were able to go to Berlin, what was then West Berlin and recorded with Harris Johns at music lab studios. And everything about this era was so mature, so advanced from what they'd done before. It, it had a lot to do with their work ethic. They were always so well rehearsed. They practiced a ton. They played live a ton around this time. And they were just writing this stuff on the back of Roar. The Roar stuff was still fresh. And yet we were getting Yes Order of the Black Guards. But then they would, I'm trying to think of the next one that came along, maybe Tornado Overreaction was an earlier one. And this stuff, when it came out in, I think, spring of 87, <laughs> I hate to keep going back to my personal recollections, but just oh, having, no. <laughs> you should Well, just kind of having been a fan and having been there and like, just kind of soaking in sort of what the zeitgeist of Voivod at the time, like what, what was in the air, what other fans were thinking, nobody expected them to be this focused and this cosmic and this technical and this advanced musically. I mean, it was real. And you know, the robotic voices were new, such a, such a novel thing for the time. Everything about it was so fresh and you just got the sense like, oh, wow. Okay. This band will not be staying in one place. And and I think even with Killing Technology, I knew, I knew that there would not be another killing just as I knew there would be not another dimension. You know, it's just like they just kept pushing it forward so far in such a short time, really. And I think the greatest song from this era and maybe my favorite Voivod song of all time, although that's a thing I don't even want to approach, is Forgotten in Space. This massive <laughs> odyssey that is ever-changing, so many different parts. What are your your thoughts on Forgotten in Space? I mean, you you picked this one, and you picked it for, yeah. I'm sure. Many yeah, I, I picked it because it's, it's and I like you, I um, I don't want to go down the, the perilous uh, trail of saying favorite Voivod songs, but I mean, it's certainly within my top five Voivod songs. It's, um, I think, one of the most uh, significant pieces of progressive experimental metal ever made. There is a section in a Canvas Alera song that was specifically inspired by, the not just by the music, but by the the concept of being forgotten in space. <laughs> like this, this, like you said, vast cosmic horror. It's a very, very special and personal piece of music for me. And let's add in that they were at least Piggy, and then I think by extension through Piggy, Blackie, were influenced by Schoenberg, Penderecki. Am I saying these composers' names right? Uh, yeah, uh, Schoenberg and um, Penderecki. Penderecki. God, what's an, there's another one that they've that they've name dropped. 
Well, they were just getting into all these, I don't know how you'd call it, modern classical composers. Like, yeah, 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 modern. Yeah, yeah. And and you can hear this in the really interesting counterpointing lines that they'll do between the guitar and the bass. There's a push and pull throughout this album that is far beyond anything that any of their peers were doing. I mean, in 87, yes, Metallica were sophisticated as hell. There were other sophisticated bands. I think some compositions on Peace Cells by Megadeth were sophisticated. So were Fate's Warning, obviously, Queensryche. But what Voivod were doing had such a different attack and a different shape that it felt so utterly alien in comparison to any of their other sophisticated metal peers at the time. Do you hear any of this, these kind of super non-metal outside influences coming into this album at this point? Oh, yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is in the, the chord voicings, uh, too. Piggy, I mean, with this album, I mean, Piggy opened up a whole universe of possi- guitar possibilities to yep, yep. other metal guitarists. I mean, he was, he was just thinking about what the instrument could do in a metal context in a way that I don't think anyone had imagined before. Um, and if you listen to like, if you listen to Penderecki or you listen to um, Ligeti, um, and these these clouds of dissonance um, and the way that the instruments move around each other, you can definitely hear the uh, the impact of that on on Piggy's writing. Absolutely. Let's check out two and a half minutes, the first two and a half minutes of Forgotten in Space.
Well, there you have it. Two and a half minutes. The amount of information and activity um, from those incredible cascading guitar. I, I don't know if, I guess they're arpeggios in a way. I don't know exactly how he's picking them, but. Only Daniel Mongrain knows. Yeah, well, there are a lot of things that Daniel Mongrain knows. <laughs> <laughs> shout Daniel out to Chewy. shout out to chewy about, we'll get to him in a minute yeah he knows more about like the eastern um than i will ever know about the entirety of music um, <laughs> oh man that's great but if they ever uh, make a movie out of him that's on the movie poster as a quote <laughs> great anyway but there's a the, that a moment early in there um and and I I don't neither of us like to assume you know influences or things, but I I feel we I think we feel pretty confident in this one. Um, there's a moment in early in uh, Forgotten in Space that sounds remarkably like or in reverse uh, a moment on uh, Caven's Jupiter. Oh, uh, wow, wow! And, and I, I just cannot imagine, um, especially at that point. Kaven not having been into Voivod. something yeah something in the depths of my memory of that time and getting into that album and being very interested in that band at the time and i'm still of course a worshiper of that album i i feel like i did read something or even talk to one of them when i, I did an interview with them once for resound that relapse magazine and i feel like they did acknowledge a voivod influence at some point one of them did yeah i, I i'm pretty oh. sure i can confidently state and you know it wouldn't surprise me because this this is the other thing that and we're going to start seeing it a lot. A lot of listeners have probably seen this over the years if they're Voivod fans is that you get all kinds of people saying they love Voivod. Ryan Adams, if you know who that that is, loves Voivod. Dave Grohl famously loves Voivod, and everybody else. Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. Like there's so many fans that aren't necessarily metalheads that are really really into Voivod, and there's a reason for that. And I, and Cave In probably very diverse listeners amongst those guys. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they took something from Forgotten in Space. Wasn't there like a, a like a crust grind band that did, oh, Agoraphobic Nosebleed did a cover of this song. Really? Forgotten in Space, yeah. It's, it's uh, like, uh, like on a seven inch or something. Okay. Yeah. You... I'm just saying like, it's just the, the influence permeates in places you wouldn't expect. Wow. Yeah, I would not have expected that. So let's stick with Killing for a while. One thing about it that that it, it doesn't bother me because it only means we get two more Voivod songs. But when I bought it, it was on vinyl, and I think I think all I think all early cassette and CD copies had two extra songs on it: "Cockroaches" and "Too Scared to Scream." These two songs were also uh, released on a picture disc at the time, which was for a while my holy grail. It's for some reason easier to find now. Um, I don't know if there was like a warehouse find like ten years ago or something, but. Anyway, I think of Killing Technology as a seven-song album. You know, the songs average about six minutes in length. They're 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 longer than they than Roar was, more complex, more complicated. 
all very appealing but i always want to think of it as a seven song album but there are a lot of people out there that think of it as a nine song album there's really no right answer because cockroaches and too scared to scream are amazing in fact too scared to scream also has that element of some roar songs where i'm like it it it's so it's still kind of impermeable and and inaccessible to me like it has it has this thing that's mysterious about it right. uh, where cockroaches was always a lot more fun a lot more direct and i'll listen to two minutes of that because this has always been a super favorite of mine and i really love the fact that later on in life snake would open up a restaurant called la cucaracha which is, <laughs> yeah he claims that's not because of the voivod song i so don't agree and i also think that's a terrible name for a restaurant because do you want to really want to go to a restaurant Name no. it for a cockroach nope. you know you don't. I, I respect cockroaches but i don't want them anywhere near food whether whether nominally or or actually on my plate so anyway th this is two minutes from cockroaches Yeah, I want to talk about so much there because I think it really showcases each member, you know, that equality that we were talking about, what each guy brings. But I'm really going to just going to focus on Snake uh, because I, I want to point out before we would even forget going forward, what a great lyricist he was. I mean, Away would come up with some of the concepts for sure. It was a bit like a Black Sabbath thing where it wasn't just one primary writer, but it was, you know, in Black Sabbath, it was Geezer Butler, but there were things coming through from Ozzy in terms of melody and stuff like that uh, with Voivod, you know, a way would come up with a lot of concepts, but snake would take it and, and crystallize it into lyrics. And a lot of the times the concepts were snakes as well. And I just really love his approach. I think his at the time limited grasp on English really helped this stuff feel a little bit more exotic and written from an entirely alien and strange viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think that goes into his his singing as well. But certainly the, the lyrics, I think, even benefited. And I wanted to read a few from Cockroaches that I love. I just love this story. I love the way they lay it out. I love the drama of the music and how it almost in a soundtracky sort of way follows the lyric uh, and the vibe and the terror of what's going on uh, and kind of the insanity and the, the kind of gonzoid sort of approach here. Here, here are a few lyrics. Tomorrow they're going to leave. Machines keep running. They'll do the same biting story to the limits of the country. There is only one solution. Eat them one by one. What I love about the machines keep running is that, yeah, the cockroaches have left. They've done their thing. They've eaten all they could, uh, which includes humans. But the machines are running because they can't eat machines. It's certainly got to be based on that whole thing of like cockroaches would are the only creature that would survive a nuclear attack, right. um, which was something that Voivoda is writing about quite a bit at this time. And they're going to do the same biting story <laughs> to the limits of the country. So they're they're spreading throughout what I envision as Canada, eating Canada first. <laughs> they're going to be getting down to Michigan and Wisconsin here pretty soon. So, you know, hold down to your boots. But yeah, the only solution to get rid of these cockroaches is to eat them. I just fucking love all of that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. La Cucaracha. La, la Cucaracha, indeed. So we move into 88, and the same thing happens. By late 86, early 87, they've finished recording Killing Technology. They tour for it. They tour for it in Europe and U.S. with Creator both times. They were good buds with those guys. And uh, all year in 87, they're writing Dimension Hatros, the fourth album. As you might guess, if you're new to this band, they change. They go somewhere completely new. They keep listeners on their toes. And in fact, I think they go beyond what some listeners were, would ever expect or even want. Again, I have to go back to the summer of 88. Went to Musicland to find the new Voivod album. Found it. Love the back cover. Also love the front cover. But the back cover has this great live picture of the band. They're just flooded in lights. It explains the concept. And this was a high concept album. This was their first true back-to-back -back A to Z you know, concept album. And not only all of this, the picture, the description of the the concept, the front cover, which was, again, another away masterpiece. You knew you were getting something very different. The classic Voivod logo was slightly altered, a little bit angled, angled a little differently. And it was just intriguing as fuck. I could not wait to get back home with that album. I know you've experienced that, Hunter. I know people out there have experienced that with an album, especially if you're a physical buyer. Uh, and especially back in the day when you just couldn't wait to get to it, put it on the stereo and, and hear it. And I just knew that I was going to get something different, but I still did not know I was going to get something as different as I got. There were, <laughs> there were clues. I mean, like, you know, song titles like Macro Solutions to Mega Problems, uh, Technocratic Manipulators, Chaos Mongers, Tribal Convictions. I was like, wow, this is, here we go. Strap in. What's it going to be? And man, it was so different. It was so weird. It was so sci-fi. I was 19 at the time. I was so ready. So ready for that. Reading a lot of sci-fi. 2001 had become my favorite movie of all time. Still may be. Just, man, what, what can I say? And I know you got into this album. This is your first Voivod album, not in 88. I was more into like, um, I don't know, like Fine Young Cannibals in 1988. <laughs> Yeah, 19, probably spring of 95, 
um, based on um, a playlist entry uh, by Ian Christie, who has gotten his second mention in this episode. <laughs> Hats off big, to Ian. Yep, big, uh, big Voivod fan. We Ian, doff our caps. Ian. You know, I um, even when I got the the album, looking at it, it just seemed so odd. Like it was not Dan Seagrave. Like, so sorry, hold on. Let's back up. Was there any expectation on your part? Had you heard of this band? I'd heard of them, but I knew I really knew nothing about them. Okay. Um, I didn't. I knew they were metal. Um, I suspected that they were odd, and and like you said, the you know the the song titles um, offer something of a clue um, that you're dealing with a, a fairly ambitious uh, and unique band but i had nothing quite prepared me for what i heard even at, coming off of all the 93 nine or early 94 like prog death stuff that i love so much um this seemed somehow more advanced than almost all of that oh wow i love it uh and it just it took it took a while it was not an immediate i love this it was i really need to figure out how to decipher this <laughs> oh, decipher it's like hieroglyphics you know it was it was like yeah it was like yeah i needed a you know i needed a cuneiform what format did you get it on cd Cassette? cd CD. Oh, good. Did it have? Uh, I yes. hate to talk about this. Yes, Did it yes, have yes, Batman? Yes. You know what? Uh, I was trying to get you not to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it has the Batman. I still, you know, Bat that. Batman was great. I saw the first time I saw this band live was on the Dimension Hatros tour in Milwaukee. Violence opened up. Numb Skull opened up as well. It was a great night for all. Voivod were mind blowing live. They played Holiday in Cambodia by the dead Kennedys and they played Batman at, at the very end. And that, that was great. It was fine as a, as a, as a fun, it took us out of that serious fucking dark world that, you know, that the rest of the set was, and it was fine. But when they, when they recorded it in the studio and put it on, on as an extra track on this album, I just, I was kind of glad I was, I had bought the vinyl and didn't know it this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. But I, anyway, I, yeah, I, this is fascinating to hear from your perspective as what 16 year old in 95. Uh, yeah yep, yeah so. yeah i mean amazing just amazing and especially with 1993 under your belt. i still remember where i was too I, I i literally in um i was in the car at the uh, 12 oak shopping center in savannah i'd been to um to best buy here and gotten it and threw it in and was like <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna sit here for when, when do you when, would you say there was a point with voivod where there where there was a love that clicked in that just like when it, when it clicked with you when it just the light bulb turned on you were like i fucking love this band and i must have more like how long did that take uh i think it was nine it's summer of 97 okay uh, when that really when that really took hold um with uh, and it was basically i got that um already had that obviously we got um uh angel rat oh wow I think, next and <laughs> angel, rat, angel rat actually made perfect sense to me okay um, like there were there were you know things about angel rat like the post-punk 
and the sort of vaguely gothy things and yeah. you know the atmospheric rock that probably would have made sense to me in 91 or 92 okay. when, you know, when it came out and then I got nothing face and nothing face like just completely blew my mind and this was the year of Phobos. So you, yeah, and I know you love that album. I love it too. We'll get to that. Yep. Uh, amazing. I love hearing this. I don't, it's weird as long as we've been friends and as much as we've talked music and as much as we love Voivod, I don't know if I've ever heard your sort of origin story. With origin story. Yeah. That's great, man. That's great. Let's listen to two from Dimension. This is the second and final album that they recorded with Harris Johns in Berlin at music lab studio he had changed uh, locations it was still called music lab it was still in berlin but he changed locations and he got a number of vintage gear and modern gear he was decked out with with gear in a way he hadn't been with killing technology and this really fed into the making of dimension hatros a way he told me for a lot of the interviews i did uh, with him for the book he would talk about his interest over the years with Eitzters and Neubaut and and stuff like that. And this was his first chance. He had gotten uh, like a sampler and was able to record like industrial sounds outside in the city and bring it back into the studio. And we hear some of this. It's it's not liberal. It's 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 really subtle throughout the album, but it's there. And this was his and the band's attempt to bring in some of that element. And uh, I'm I'm I don't wish they would have recorded with Harris Johns again because I think they made a good choice where. Every time they, or most times that they have a huge creative leap, they go somewhere else production-wise. I think it makes sense. But man, you know, the, the product of Harris Johns and Music Lab on their career and on their discography just can't be underestimated. I mean, Killing Technology and Dimension Atros, you know, these are two of their very, very, very best albums. We're going to listen to parts of Psychic Vacuum and Brain Scan.
Wow. This is an album, as I suppose we could say from about most Voivod albums, but this is one where we could do a full two hour episode on. There's just so much happening here. And listeners that aren't familiar that listen to that, hopefully they were listening with rapt attention and hopefully they are intrigued, but they must know that there is so much more on this album. I just, it's, uh, it's an album that I don't, of course I can't, I don't know how many times I've heard it, but I know that I hear it anew every time. I'm not sure. I can't say I hear new things every time. I, I know that I, I still will hear new things sometimes, but I know that I hear it with fresh ears almost every time. Uh, it just, it just never, <laughs> there's no age on this thing. Multiple plays. It's the beauty of music too, where we can, we can listen to this stuff 200 times and it, it's fresh the 201st time, man. Yeah. I can't imagine you being 16 with all that under your belt, all that metal and alternative rock under your belt. And then the, this comes into your world. Yeah. And I hadn't, aside from some Rush and some King Crimson, I I hadn't delved into progressive rock yet, really. And that would have been a very helpful experience to have had uh, uh, grappling with. Uh, so, I mean, it, it you know, your, your history with the band is so interesting in that you were there from the very beginning. And, and you know uh witness that evolution you yeah. know in real time. Yeah. and i just got dropped into <laughs> without any warning yeah. and i was not prepared for i mean listening to it just now i was thinking there is nothing any better than this there's nothing any more impressive i mean it's i can't imagine music that i love more than dimension atros well, yeah that I and mean, that's just I've always said my favorite Voivod album is uh, is four of them tied for first. And it, it will always be, it will always be this way. It's killing. Hey, yes, sir. It's killing technology. It's dimension Hatros. It's nothing face. It's angel rat. This is right there in that core of four that I find to be the, the greatest, some of the greatest music of all time. It's, it's, it's hard to, to dial down the hyperbole here, but um, I'm going to try, but yeah, that this is, this is just such, such incredible stuff. And this is also the time you mentioned Rush and King Crimson. This is the time when in the press or in interviews, the offhand comment where they where they'd make where you'd start to get Piggy talking about General Giant or you'd hear a way in tone about uh, Vandegraaff Generator. And at the time, those names were foreign to me and they stayed foreign for a few years. We're going to get into King Crimson when we talk about Nothing Face next. But they, like Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth, were real ambassadors for prog to metal fans. I, I know that they turned a lot of metal fans onto prog rock and that's a glorious thing. It's a great transition. It's a great gateway and Voivod are perhaps the greatest gateway more so than Opeth even to progressive rock. One band really affected by uh, a Voivod at this time. And there were many were guys that were at this time, ex members of the dissolved axe grinder axe grinder from england they were a peaceville band rise of the serpent men is an album that i had uh and still like it came out around 89 something like that um they dissolved and then they formed a band called Wartech, who released two demos and these demos are straight up voivod worship 
and straight up Dimension Hatros Nothing Face Arrow Warship. It's wonderful in one sense. It's novel in another sense. But ultimately, it's it's kind of a ripoff in a way because there's really nothing original here. Uh, but we're going to listen to a song from Wartech. Yeah, you can hear the failings there. This is not Voivod, but it's certainly a band that is so turned on by Voivod that they made it a mission to uh, make music like them for a couple of years before they dissolved. Uh, Wartech only lasted uh, two demos. Voivod, however, uh, were moving from strength to strength, as they say. They got signed to a major label. Now, this was not unusual for a metal band at the time. You know, I mean, this is when, you know, in 87, Testament debuted on a major label, Atlantic, Atlantic slash Megaforce. There were quite a few metal bands by 89 getting signed to majors. It was just part of the thing. Uh, it was the post-Metallica, post-Slayer, post-Megadeth world. But Voivod, you know, not always uh, a bankable candidate for for any type of commercial success. But this was their, their big era. Uh, the album was called Nothing Face. It came out in 1989. And again... Just one year after Dimension Atros, <laughs> these guys are so prolific and and just so fucking talented and creative. Mm-hmm. And this album, they hired Glenn Robinson as producer, who was unknown to metal fans at the time. Uh, but just with this one stroke, he became well known because this production changed Voivod, cleaner, more antiseptic, more from the laboratory. It was still Voivod, but now they are truly as much a progressive rock band as they are uh, a weird technical progressive metal band. Famously, they toured with Soundgarden and Faith No More in this era, and it should be known that they headlined over Soundgarden most dates, and Faith No More was the third on the bill. I mean, this is this is crazy stuff. And this this is how far these ugly motherfuckers had come from the Roar and Pain days. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. These guys from Jonquier, this industrial aluminum mining town, just incredible. We're going to talk about it a lot more, but we're going to listen to 
two parts of this album first before we open it up. We're going to listen to bits of Missing Sequences, which I've had the great honor to play with you. Uh, we jammed this with Josh Greer in my basement in Virginia, uh, yeah. that song. And it was a real treat for me to play with you and to play this song with you. I think we, I think uh, we, we were already really close, but I think it bonded us in some way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, jamming on a Boy Bod tune? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's that Maybe... You know what? That could be the key to world peace. Uh, boy, if we had if we had filmed that, we would be in world peace right now. It'd be utopia you know, all over the place. If, if only uh, you know Putin could play bass. <laughs> and then two minutes of Into My Hypercube. These are two really super fantastic highlights from the incredible 1989 album Nothing Face. Swarming locust
all of that element of this record that you so aptly described as antiseptic and you know laboratory bound there's a melancholy and emotional aspect to a lot of these songs too yeah Um, i think that's what gives nothing face just well so much depth but also so much endurance in terms of listening like if it were all just the deep space super clinical technical part it wouldn't it wouldn't be the album that it is it's in the way that they balance those two things um is unlike anything that i know of up to this point and and still unlike most or or done with uh an elegance and a sensitivity that most metal bands i mean the history of the genre can never muster I love that you brought out all these elements because yeah, I made it sound almost one dimensional. It was just more this facet or this aspect that was. And the, well, you were talking about the production too. Oh, sure. And, and, sure. And it sure. Totally is. Yeah. But, but the emotional aspect of the music, like the melodic areas they would, they would visit, you know, a lot of the choices they made compositionally, they are melancholy. They are everything you said. I mean, that, that I, I can't say it better than you did that's an incredible way to describe this album and, and and it does have this emotional weight i remember recently and i'm not sure why or how he had a reason to write about angel rat but forrest pitts called angel rat lonely hmm. and angel rat is is a lonely sounding album um but i would also think that i think they opened up this lonely feeling on nothing face for sure very much so. Um, it's a new descriptor of these two albums, thanks to Forrest, that that I've come to to, to really like. I, I be, because they do convey that. Yep. They have this like boy in the corner of a, of an empty room sort of feeling to them. I don't. It, it's so hard to describe, but it just there, there's a, this an emotional tug to it. And despite the sort of antiseptic laboratory production that I talked about, there is still the heft of metal. There's still the grit. And and even the grime, it's there. It's just cleaned up a little. It's it's polished a yeah. little bit, I guess. It's it's a polished voivod. It's remarkable how far they've come in five six years. But it's still very much, you know, that band who who came up in a factory town. You can hear it all over this album. One thing we need to mention, of course, is the prog rock element. There's Astronomy Domini, which became the single and the video and the song that really kind of launched them into. Th- the the big time as it were i mean it wasn't it wasn't obviously uh u2 big time but it was it was certainly as big as voivod ever got in terms of reaching other people it got a lot of play on college radio got a lot of play on various video channels it was a remarkable video and it, it, it it's also remarkable because it comes in the position of number three on the album and I don't believe I'm alone in saying this, but I believe it's better than the original as much as I worship that era of Pink Floyd. I think they made it their own. I think they completely took it and made it part of Nothing Face and made it part of Voivod World in a way that most covers just never achieve. Do you have any thought on that? Oh, no, I absolutely agree. And I, like you said, if it if it were tacked onto the end of the record, I would think it would have less impact too. It's It's sequenced perfectly within the whole of the record yeah. um but yeah it because they do it, they honor the original but it is I, I think that they were so 
self-possessed at this point that it, it, they couldn't help but sort of improve on the original or make it their own. I think everything that they touched at this point would be affected by their their collective powers. Mm, yeah, yeah, good point. And to that, you know, the whole progressive rock thing coming in, they were now at this point on their instruments and in their abilities to to be the progressive rock band that they had always kind of wanted to be. They'd always worshipped ELP's Tarkus. They'd always worshipped Fantagraph Generator. They'd always worshipped General Giant and King Crimson. Um, we're going to listen to a little bit of Inner Combustion from Nothing Face, and we're going to slam that against King Crimson's Lark's Tongues in Aspic Part 2 from King Crimson's Lark's Tongues in Aspic album from 1973. This was, of course, a band by 89 I'd heard of, and I always really liked 21st Century Schizoid Man, but that was all I knew of King Crimson. And when... I finally got into Crimson in like not like three years after Nothing Face came out, about 92, 93. And I heard Lark's Tongues and Aspic, the album, and it particularly particularly the two-part song title track. I thought, oh my God, aha. That's that's where Voivod got some of this. And I heard the influence in reverse. You know, I'm sure if there were anybody out there listening that had knowledge of King Crimson's Lark's Tongues that then heard Voivod in this era, they they would have heard it. Uh, what I knew was things like inner combustion and things that are all over the place on on nothing face and dimension. But until 1992, I had no knowledge that there was some root for this. And that was what we're going to hear from the snippet we're going to play from Mark's Tongues. I surround I am I 
so I think you will hear exactly why Jeff chose to pair those two pieces of music. Obviously, some differences naturally in the production, uh, certainly in some of the metal orientation of Voivod, which again, as Jeff said, is still very much present on Nothing Face. We don't mean to belabor the progressive rock aspect too much because it's still definitely a metal record but it's a metal record that um, for its time is certainly as ambitious and as accomplished um, in its its reference making um, in its absorption of other styles as any that i can think of beautifully said man I feel like people expected Voivod to do two things after Nothing Face. One was to be that same band that they loved with Nothing Face because it really did bring on a lot of new listeners. I remember this was when I was in Iowa City now and, and um, going to college at University of Iowa and then quitting college to be in a band and like just hang out with a lot of great people with a lot of great and varied interests in music. And a lot of them glommed on to Voivod with nothing face and they went back and, you know, loved dimension. And some people even got into the earlier stuff. I was thrilled by that. I was, <laughs> you know, I was thrilled by all of this. So people expected that, but they also expected them to change. However, what happened was, yes, they changed, but nobody got the Voivod they expected with Angel Rat. I remember reading the the album title for the first time in an issue of Metal Forces, and I thought, "Wow, that's that's a weird, weird title." I mean, and 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 Voivod, the word "weird" is now relative, right? I mean, it's like, what does that mean in Voivod world, right? Um, what does it mean to be weird? So. I, but I knew, I just like, oh, wow, Angel Rat, that's so weird. What the fuck is that going to be, you know? And then when it came out, it was November of 91. And it was a, I remember it was like a crisp fall day in Iowa, overcast. I, I mean, I was there at the store. I must, it must have been first day or second day of release. And I got the long box. I just couldn't wait. It looked so different. The logo had yet again changed. I just had no I no idea what to expect. It really kind of almost erased expectation. Even mm-hmm. even even knowing that I was to be very cliché, I was going to expect the unexpected. This was sort of their MO. And I and I popped it in. It was it was the morning still and um and I just <laughs> I fell in love. I mean, I just fell in love all over again. <laughs> it was a little bit like getting a new band, but also like, wow, really? Like here, now we're here and this is just, and it worked for me because I was already getting into various kinds of, of music outside of metal at the time. And that was new for me. I think 91 was maybe the, the year that I that I decided to really strike out and, and check out a lot of different new things. And it just, it resonated so hard with me. What What I was disappointed by was all the people in my circle who loved the band I think every one of them hated it. I don't think there was a person around who liked it as much as I did. Uh, and I would, I was constantly trying to defend it. And then it, I just, I just quit and I just kind of went into my own corner with it and loved it by myself and talk about a lonely album. That's another layer of that loneliness. Were you living with Mike Hope at the time? No, that was, that was before Mike Hope. I was living with uh, the guy, uh, Bill, who was drummer in my band 
And then a guy named Tom, who was a friend of ours, who had really been my metalhead friend in the dorms when we were living in dorms. But by this time we were living in a, in a house. And so Tom, uh, Tom lived below me and he, I, it's weird to think about cohabitating like this, but you know, I'm it's many, many years on. Uh, but back in the day, you know, you'd, you'd play music and if your roommates woke up to it, oh, well, cause they did the same thing to you. You know what I mean? You just had to kind of deal with it. It was just that kind of like post-college living. And Tom woke up and I don't know if I woke him up, but he said he heard Panorama, the first proper song in the album. And he thought it was like some new Aussie thing. It's a very rock song, you know, it's a very yeah. hard driving three minutes. Uh, I don't hear the Aussie, but at the same time, he was a Voivod fan. He had no idea that it was Voivod. And he was another that was, I remember him telling me he was disappointed that they weren't doing all the invented language that they had, you know, all the different words and things that they were using. It's still there. I mean, Nuage Fraktal is a good example. But yeah, he was another of the disappointed and I just kept loving it. I could talk about this album for three hours. So stop me now. We're going to listen to a bit of Nuage Fraktal. You picked this one. I'd like you to talk about why it's special for you. I love the loneliness thing that you brought up that forced and forced has a way of of illustrating albums i'm very jealous of it yeah. he always finds a way to describe music in a, almost kind of a visionary way but it, this album to me is just like pure atmosphere oh, um yeah. I mean, obviously like incredible songs like we'll talk about the production like amazing production but it, it just it just drips with this particular atmosphere and that the melancholy and the emotion that we talked about um, on nothing face. I mean, it's just really drawn into relief here. Yeah. Um, Lodge is just, it's just a really interesting song. And I picked it um, and we can talk about this a little and we'll play a little bit because of a slide guitar piece or a passage in the song that's, Unlike anything that Voivod had done, um, but also very much like something that uh, Alchemist would get into on their Spiritech record. I see. Okay. Now we had talked about this a little bit prior to recording and you had told me you wanted to play Alchemist here. I couldn't figure out why. Now I understand. It's that it's that sort of note-based expression that they use rather than chord. Yep. Because the, the interesting thing about Nuash Fraktal, and I think Chewy himself told me this because they've been playing it on the the recent tour this year for Morgoth Tales, the, the re-recordings. Let's let's diverge here for a second. I think I saw the very first live airing of New Ashfraktal ever in Voivod history in Asheville in May. I don't think they played that on the like extremely short Angel Rat tour. Ah. Uh, and it's not been part of sets since. And Asheville was the first show of the Morgoth Tales tour ever. So I was like, I think I saw it. But I, I think after that show... I went out with Chewy and a bunch of people uh, to this club in Asheville. And I remember talking to him about this song. And I, I think it was him who told me that there's no chords in the song. It's all lines. It's all, like you say, these kind of alchemisty sort of lines.
Yeah, you know, I think there are chords in the chorus, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, he must I, have been talking about the verses, which is just this stringy, <laughs> loping. The, the chords in the chorus sound pretty thin. I mean, they sound like two, maybe three notes. Yeah, total. I I remember watching him play it live, and I saw them again in Charlotte like a week later, and I was just studying him during the song, and yeah, there is, it's it's a lot of finger stuff. It's not a lot of, you know, there's no big bars, you know, there's no bar chord probably. Right. Um. So, and not that there were a ton of that with Piggy. Piggy was a very unique player, obviously, but uh, yeah, great pick. And let's listen to that snippet of Alchemist. believe it was sean glass who introduced d kreutzen to voivod he's the dude from syndrome and other bands and he told me in an interview for the book that he had introduced them with october file uh, around 86 87 and they just fell completely in love with d kreutzen not knowing that d kreutzen were becoming fans of voivod at the time as well and <laughs> particularly piggy and brian edgenis the guitarist from d kreutzen became pretty good friends in, in the sense of like when they'd meet they'd talk about how one influenced the other and there was never really clear which one influenced the other first <laughs> but there was if you listen to brian from d kreutzen and go back to our episode I, what was it episode seven or something like that eight or nine about yeah uh ago. yeah you'll get a lot of brian there and you'll understand the voivod connection now of course voivod covered man in the trees around 2005 which is from october file but it's that's not the only song where the Voivod, the Kreutzen connection kind of seems to happen. There's there's a lot of A's and B's we can do, a lot of parallels we can make between the two. And I just want to listen to a little bit of Clouds in My House here from Angel Rat, uh, the first about minute and 15 seconds, and then go to Best Goodbye, also the first minute and 15 seconds of Best Goodbye from De Kreutzen Cement, which came out the same year as Angel Rat, 1991. I just think we hear a lot of parallels in where the bands went, not just the guitar work, but just the, the general vibe. So let's take a taste of that.
Angel Rat was produced by none other than Terry Brown. This may sound like a familiar name to Rush fans. They had the clout between being on MCA slash mechanic and just kind of having made the inroads that they made with nothing face to get a guy like Terry to produce. Now it, it helped that in the, at the end of the nothing face era, uh, they played a few shows in Canada with rush opening for rush on Russia's, uh, I think it was their presto tour. And they said rush were sweet and gentlemanly to them and s- sent them like a, a, a basket of like wine and, they spent some time with them and they gave them ample stage room and, and sound and lights and everything. Uh, the shows went down really well. As you can imagine, Voivod are all to a man fans of, of Rush. And uh, this led to some enough of a connection with, with that whole world that they were able to get Terry Brown in to produce. So he did. It ended acrimoniously with Blackie leaving at the end of the sessions, actually before the sessions even ended. There were some disagreements about the production, but I'm going to stand with the band and Terry Brown versus Blackie because I think this album sounds great. Blackie's arguments are his. They are what they are, and he has his opinion. But this production, Hunter, like this is a very special sounding record, and it fits the material, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. It has a spaciousness about it that we've never heard with Voivod. And this material needs that it it needs to breathe yeah uh, it does breathe but two you get all of the you know, like the tone nuance that you're going to get in a terry brown production mm-hmm. and, and like in in a warmth uh especially um in the the drum tones i think the drums sound amazing on this every guy is playing great Snake, I think, is this is my favorite Snake record in some ways. I, oh, of course, know. I love him on War and Pain and Roar. I love the stabbing Red Hot Fork. You know, I love all that. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love him here, and I think I think his he just sounds so sublime. It's it's the only word I can come up with. It sublime. I go back to Forrest's lonely, pensive, melancholy. It's just beautiful, and he's recorded well, thanks to Terry. Having said all that, I want to focus on Piggy and Blackie here with a little bit of best regards. This is one of my favorite songs in the album. And I love the interplay here between Piggy and Blackie. I love everything that's going on in the, on the song. I think you'll hear like just kind of what Blackie is laying down as a bed where Piggy is just able to go, go off and, and do some weird things. This is just one of my favorite Voivod moments right here. This is about two minutes and 15 seconds into best regards and into the end.
You there? Yeah, I'm just in sort of stunned silence. <laughs> I, I mean, right? Am I? Am yeah. I right? Yes. It's such a yes. great moment. It's such a beautiful moment. This is, man, not to put too fine a point on it, but this is why I love music. This, this, this. When you can listen and vibe off of that, and and and, and enjoy that with them as they're playing that it's it's eternal it's it's so fantastic yeah such a great album it's such a great moment on this album and for extra fun we thought we would slam up another small bit from angel rat into horror from roar just to illustrate how far they'd come in a handful of years <laughs> uh, this is just fun this, this is also just the point where you're like you have to reflect because blackie's gone now after this album uh, they move into some new areas. And the beautiful thing about Voivod is like, even though Mark one is the ultimate, there's way more great music to come. That's, that's for sure. Most Voivod fans will tell you that if you're not an angel rat, I, I just wonder if you really understand Voivod and, and I'm not trying to be haughty or, you know, snobby by saying that, but I've never, I've never understood why people didn't get, why Angel Rat was such a great Voivod album. Isn't it everything yeah, see, that they have I mean, hinted at before before this? Yeah, I mean, to me, and I guess I came at it a little differently than, than people who were there, but it didn't ever strike me as some kind of weird departure, like some kind of, you know, failed experiment. Um, I mean, all that, yeah, I mean, it was, it, to me, it seems like a it, like kind of the logical evolutionary step. We're going to slam Free Doom up against horror. It's me. 
so yeah obviously the the contrast between free doom and horror is is pretty extreme and i think i think it you have to look at angel rat as that inflection point to kind of look back because now we're going forward and before we do uh, we're going to listen to a couple seconds from russia's natural science and also vandergraaf generators man erg just kind of take stock on some of the big influences of voivod and and maybe what we've heard previously and what we're going to hear going forward these songs certainly had a huge impact on the band <laughs> Now we get into album number seven. For me, the rule for a truly legendary band has been, do they have seven great albums? Fate's Warning or Voivod or Black Sabbath, King Crimson, Rush, you know, the, all these bands, Judas Priest, Blue Easter Cult, they all have seven great albums. You have to have seven great albums. That's my rule to be in my top 10. This was the seventh, and even without Blackie, they excelled. I, and I wonder, as a new Voivod fan hunter for you, in 93, wait a minute, you hadn't glommed onto them yet, had you? No. Because this is a 93 album, and you glommed on, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you got yeah. into them in 95, but like, when did you get into Outer Limits, and when, and you know, obviously this is a 1993 album, so I, I have to be ask you, you know. Uh, Probably around, not very long after, it's that 97 thing we talked about. Couldn't have been more than a year later that I did. Um, I loved it. Still do. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's quite. I I miss Blackie, personally. Sure. Yeah. I, I miss, and it, it's not just that I miss Blackie. It, it's, it's exactly what you talked about earlier, how this band is, you know, greater than the sum of its parts, even though the parts are completely amazing but yeah these four guys with such incredibly different but uh complementary identities and it's like you just remove one of those pieces and you can't help but feel that absence 
Yeah, I felt it then. I feel it now. And I love Pierre St. John. I think he's he's great. And he started he start he's basically a guitar player. He played with Chewy in Alcoholica, which was a Metallica tribute band. He fronts the band Heaven's Cry. That's his band. It's a progressive metal band. But Voivod approached him to play bass in this era. And in fact, he's in the the Clouds in My House video and he played on the Angel Rat tour, which was like five shows in Canada, basically. And then he went to LA to record Outer Limits. And this is the first album they'd recorded in LA. Big producer, big, big deal, big MCA thing. The album came with the, the 3D glasses. So they were they still had major label money behind them. So I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Pierre's performance. I think he's an excellent musician, but I've always felt the lack of Blackie, of course. Yeah. Um, and their tone, you know, the, Pierre's bass tone was very different, very, very different than Blackie's. And Away has told me more than one time that when they had a new bass player come in, whether it was Jason Newstead or this guy or Eric Forrest, they always let him choose his tone. They were never like, you have to be the blower bass. You have to be the blacky bass. Yep. Because that was such a significant part of their sound, which we really didn't touch on, but I think people have ears. They can hear it. That's a huge part of the Voivod sound. But they didn't demand that of new bass players. And I think that while it's sad that we don't have Blackie, what we do get is a reconfigured Voivod. And that's kind of exciting because this band was always reconfiguring, right? Every and, album. Yeah. And so you just take it as it comes. And man, what a great album. They did try another Pink Floyd song, the Nile song, which comes from the Moore soundtrack uh, from 1970. It's a great song. I don't know that they should have made that choice uh, because you can't top what they did for astronomy. And I know that within the band, they don't think that they they did top it, uh, but they're all pretty proud of it. It's a great album. It features the 17-minute Jack Luminous. It's the first time they ever did anything of great length, of great prog rock type length. Um, Which is kind of interesting to think about in 1993 on the heels of, you know, their most accessible record in Angel Rat. And and this is a very accessible record in a lot of ways, too. Yep. Yeah, I always thought that was a, a, well, a, a boy body and choice. It's a very Voivodian choice, but they were also, you have to remember that Angel Rat was not a success. I mean, they, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, it failed. I mean, commercially in terms of you know, people turned their back on it, they didn't buy it. There was no tour other than the five dates in Canada, you know, so they were just kind of going all out for this one. And, you know, yeah, you know, things like Lost Machine and Time Warp bring back some of the maybe nothing face-ish kind of things, but this is a new Voivod. This is a new configuration, as we've said, a new facet. Let's listen to this. You made these choices, and I love these choices. Moonbeam Rider especially. I'm so glad you picked that. We're going to listen to two minutes of that and two minutes of Time Warp. Uh, another favorite of mine on the album is La Pointe Noir, which we're not going to play. But we could probably do three more shows on Voivod and not repeat a song. Um, oh, easy. Yeah, that's how that's how great they are. So, 200. 200. <laughs> yeah, Episode 200, we promise you right now, is Voivod Part 2. If uh... <laughs> And uh, we'll see you when I'm uh, 68 years old.
despite the, the commercial failure of Angel Rat and all those setbacks that we talked about, I mean, this is a band that sounds undaunted based on the tracks we just heard. Even almost kind of um, joyous. Joyous is definitely there. It's it's a bright album. Very. And it's um, also defiant. Well, it's like it's like we are Voivod. Fuck you. You know. Yep, that's exact. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's defiant. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And and really, Moonbeam Rider is like one of my favorite song titles ever. Like, oh yeah, man. Yeah. Evocative song titles ever. Yeah. Man, away, away. It just rules on this album. And he sounds so confident. I mean, yep. he always has. But like, I don't know. It, it, like, typically most bands, you know, that were in their position would be, you know, limping off. And <laughs> they're not. They're digging in. Man, great point. I, and and I want to end the conversation about outer limits there because that's that that underscores it exactly. Is they're digging in. They they're not done. And the fact that now snake leaves and he had his reasons and you can read about that in always moving the strange multiverse of Voivod. <laughs> dude that that ladies and gentlemen is the mark of a professional <laughs> the that plug. Was seamless product placement right there <laughs> the, the product placement the plug yeah. <laughs> no no but 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 he had it and it's why well, it's been said elsewhere i'm not you know it's nothing new so snake leaves and you know talk about i mean man I think it's Sean Glass who said like the Justice League had broken up. Like they weren't, you know, it was like, like his, his superheroes, it wasn't the same team anymore. And I thought when he told that to me, I was like, that, that's kind of, that kind of sounds right. You know, you, you, you lose these characters, you lose these people that are so integral to the whole yet they move on and they, and they have new Justice League. They have new Avengers. They have, they have new guys. So they move on and they become a trio. They actually hire a guy named Eric Forrest from Toronto area to play bass and do vocals. Voivod Mark II. Voivod themselves never considered Voivod Outer Limits uh, with Pierre Voivod Mark II. I disagree with them, but I'm going to go with the received information that now Voivod Mark II starts, and this is now the trio formation. It's Piggy, it's Away, and it's this guy, Eric Forrest. At the time, I had a lot of troubles with this, more so than when Blackie left, even though Blackie uh, at the time was maybe my favorite member in terms of influence. I'm a bass player. Like it just, you know, just everything about him was yeah, so huge to me. But th they survived without him just, just fine. Snake was another matter. Like, how are they going to do this? I remember getting demos of what became the Negatron album, the eighth album. And part of me being very intrigued with the heavy handedness of them again. Hadn't heard this since maybe Killing Technology. The reinvention was like kind of having a brand new Voivod, almost as if they had started again. And when the album came out, Negatron, I wasn't super into it. I'm still not super into it. I have I have problems with the production. Uh, I have problems with a lot of the songs. There are some things that I think there are great that they should do live now, like Bio TV would be amazing if they played that. That's a that's a favorite song of mine. I love Cosmic Conspiracy. Um, good things came out of it, but Eric was a very different vocalist. He channeled a lot of Machine Head, Sepultura, even Pantera type stuff, Fear Factory. 
not all of that is bad, but it also wasn't sort of in line with what I felt was the trajectory of the band. Where were you when Negatron came out? Like, what was what was where were your thoughts? Well, I, I heard Negatron quite a bit later. Wait a um, minute. So, were you into Phobos before that? I was into Phobos before I heard Negatron. Well, let's move to Phobos then, because we didn't select anything from Negatron. Let's move to Phobos. Phobos okay. is the second and final album by the Mark II lineup with Eric, and this album is fucking fantastic. I love, <laughs> like, love this record. You'll get varying opinions. King Folly, huge of deceased, huge fan of Voivod, as everybody probably knows. He prefers Negatron. Other people prefer Negatron. You and I are in that group that prefers Phobos. Yeah. When did you get into Phobos? And what? tell me about what attracts you so much to it. Well, I um, so you wrote a piece on Phobos um, in 97 in Maniacs. It was one of the first Voivod interviews that I ever read. Okay. Um, so it, it, you know, it, I guess most of my Voivod um, discovery period is around this time, and I, you know, so I, I by '98 I had acclimated to the the weird world of Voivod, and then I get Phobos, <laughs> <laughs> and a very different thing. But it was so. It had a droning element to it, a hypnotic element that um, I'm I'm a big fan of Neurosis from like 92 through 96. Uh-huh. And there was, uh, I heard a lot of that in it. Interesting. Um, yeah, just this repetitive, hypnotic, but very, very heavy and, and very very organic it very like live room like i could imagine these three guys in a rehearsal space jamming these songs well you know the negatron production is is very clicky drum wise and then they corrected that completely on phobos it's such an earthy organic drum sound and i think that propels kind of the rest of the sound or at least it informs the rest of that production it's these two albums from the eric forrest era are so incredibly unique because they themselves are different from one another. And th- isn't that very Voivod, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, what could be more Voivod? And Eric sounds great on Phobos. I have no problem with him on Phobos. I think he's fantastic on it. Yeah. Vo- and vocally. Yeah. Less of that, those influences that you talked about. He sounds more like Eric Forrest. He sounds more like Voivod. Like he should be, yeah. It's a Voivodian vocal. Yeah. Let's listen. We've been doing a lot of talking tonight. Maybe it's time that we let the music do the talking. <laughs> there, there you are. There you are with your your clever catchphrases and your. I've gotten I've gotten better about inserting it there. Your witty banter. Or, well, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that. Hunter, let the music do the talking. Again, says, "Let's listen." We're going to listen to about two minutes of the title track to Phobos. We're going to listen to the entire Tom Mort. This is that's a French title, which I'm butchering. I'm sure. We're going to listen to the entire 147 duration. This is an interesting piece where Away plays accordion. So listen for that. And then a little over two minutes of Neutrino. We're going to take Phobos as it needs to be taken, which is in huge, throbbing, (laughs) oppressive doses.
So that's uh that's a whole bunch of Phobos right there from the Eric Forrest era. The band toured after that and somewhat infamously and uh they had a vehicle accident in Germany while touring and Eric Forrest was laid up in the hospital in Germany for about two months, two or three months, um, before he was able to be even flown home. Uh he was in really, really bad shape, close to death. And it was just another one of these tragedies that had visited Voivod. We didn't really touch on it, but in, in the Dimension Hatros era, Piggy had a cancer scare uh, that they were able to cure with um, a new drug at the time. And this would, of course, come back to haunt them later. But yeah, so they they, they had another tragic event and they faced it and they got through it. And they recorded 12 songs for what was to be the third album with the Mark II era, the trio. But none of that ever was recorded as an album. It's never been released. It's never even been heard. It's not even on YouTube, which if something's not on YouTube, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it, it it's pretty well under wraps. I'm lucky enough to have half of it. I was given a copy of six songs in 2000 when it was shortly after it was recorded. And I'm going to, with permission of the band, play about 25 seconds of a song called Aware, from this album this was an album that was supposed to be seeing the voivod character come back just like it had on phobos uh which was the first time the voivod character had been part of the concept since uh nothing face and it was kind of tied into also a lot of the trials and tribulations of uh what eric went through uh, there's a song called coma on it uh, a song called day by day on it uh very much part of recovery after a horrible physical accident so here's 25 seconds of aware. Those 12 songs were set to be on an album that had never had a title, but Steve Albini was actually in line to produce that album, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, I think it comes in at a, at a good time for them. Um, if that were to happen, obviously it did not. And the band decided to dissolve the first time in their history that they actually technically broke up for a very short time. But Snake was kind of sniffing around and they were interested in working with Snake again. So in short, order they became a thing again and they played some shows with another bass player named vincent peak just to get kind of back into form there's a lot more to the eric forrest story but you'll have to read about it or just you can go online and sniff out about it if you want after this episode do as you wish but, uh, there's a lot more there but um basically snake comes back they played a few shows with snake and they were in touch with an old friend who was happened to be a bassist who happened to leave a band called Metallica. His name was Jason Newstead, and he had befriended the band years prior. Uh, he was a huge fan of Voivod, a very vocal and visible fan of the band. He had actually formed a kind of a side project called Tar Rat with Away and Piggy, who had recorded some things in California with Jason over the years. And Jason, of course, appeared on the Phobos record on a song called Embody. So 
things were kind of lining up. The stars were sort of aligning for Jason to join Voivod, which he did uh, in about 2002, shortly after, about nine months after he left Metallica. And with his funding, with his grace, with a revived Piggy Snake in a way, they recorded what could only be a self-titled album. We're going to listen to two songs from that. Uh, One's a song called Facing Up, which I love. There's a lyric in there, which I'll recite after we get out of the listen. It's a great part. It's a highlight on the album. And then another song called Divine Son, which we agree could have really come from the Angel Rat era. Some really sublime stuff on this thing. Uh, Let's take a listen. Yeah, that's a, that's a couple from the self-titled album. You have an interesting relationship with the album in terms of we're not really on the same page on it, are we? I, I definitely don't love it. I like some of the things. I um, I really like Divine Sun. And my favorite song on the album is the last track, which you don't like, uh, We Carry On. Yeah, that's probably the only one on the album I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, we do disagree. We do disagree. Like, People that like, on. For the record, about Voivod even, yeah, uh, every now and then. Um, 
Facing Up is a good song, but I think that bridge that we listened to is just so fantastic. And um, it, I remember the first time I heard this album, I thought, well, that, that is, that is really classic Voivod right there. Just that moment. And, and I also need to pinpoint that they're still writing great lyrics. That bridge features these lyrics. So many problems of science involved complexity and basic principles, observations of the empty space, still searching for the final theory about our fate, destiny, the dark energy. And the delivery there of Snake, I always found very convincing. Love that moment. Love that lyric. And I do love the album. Uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. Lots to find out on that album. It's a long one. Uh, they came back. They they did everything they could to reestablish the name, reestablish Snake. Jason was a huge part of the band. I think I think his tone was great. Uh, I think his approach was perfect for the band uh, and what and the kind of stuff they were playing at the time. People have to remember that this is what Piggy wanted to write. This is where Piggy was. His head was in a way more rock kind of space. He was listening to Tool, Smashing Pumpkins, all kinds of things that kind of informed where band went. A lot of modern rock, really. And we hear it throughout that album. After they rapped on this album, uh, after they played Ozfest and did a, a tour with Sepultura, Piggy began writing. And the band had an idea to write a double album. And Piggy demoed 23 songs. Jason played on some scratch bass tracks. I think Away did some scratch drums. Uh, Snake, I don't think, had done anything yet. Uh, and then Piggy passed away. We don't want to get into that too much because there's a lot there and we're afraid we might do him some some injustice if we uh, were to just go deeply into his illness. But he basically had a tumor in his brainstem that caused his downfall and ultimate death. Um, and the idea of, of Voivod going on without Piggy is unthinkable, I think, for most of us. It certainly was at the time. Uh, was two thousand? Was it August two thousand five that he passed? Two thousand five, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Like the idea of them going on without Piggy, really. I mean, of all the people, if there's one you just could not take out of the mix, it was Piggy. Yeah. Um, and really, just one of the most important metal musicians in the genre's history. I think uh, Canvas Solaris was working on an album around the time that he passed Penumbra Diffuse and we actually re uh, dedicated the album to Piggy's memory because huh. um, I, I doubt that we would be a band without him yeah I mean Nathan's a big Voivod fan right oh yeah huge and I ben, saw I, Ben Simpkins yeah. too Ben Ben was at the Asheville show that I was talking about earlier Gail's Gail's a huge fan yeah uh, so, yep. yeah that's that's amazing Chris loves their um, their mixtape with Beyonce, but than that, not into what they do really. <laughs> Moving on, so he passed. Uh, I remember he was the, I think the second and only musician that ever died that I never really knew uh, that I shed a tear about. The first one was Cliff Burton in '86 when I was 17 years old. Uh, shed a tear about that one, and when Piggy died, I definitely had a cry. But they went on without him. But they had some unfinished business because they had these 23 songs that he demoed that near the end he told away 
please take these. Here's where they are. They're here's where they are on my hard drive. I think it was that kind of conversation. And they went ahead and took these songs and made the best of them that they could. And in 2006, they put out an album called Katorz, K-A-T-O-R-Z, which is an alternate spelling of the French word 14. And if you add, I think it's the best of the Voivod Lives live album and the Chronic collection, you get to 14 Voivod albums. That was how Piggy was counting. So they oh. kept with that and they did Katorz, which is a 10-song album. And then they, in 2009, Relapse released the second part of that, which was called Infinity, which had 13 songs. Ends with a really great song called Volcano. Another good song on that album is called Treasure Chase. Uh, I tend to think Couture's is stronger. There's one song of these 23 that I think is like a, a utter classic, and they didn't have as much to work with as you might a regular album. So these can't be judged by regular album standards, but we're going to listen to a, an entire three minutes uh, of Polaroids, the first three minutes of, of a song called Polaroids, which ends Couture's, which I've been begging away to bring back on the set list. Um, not that he'll listen to me, but he's at least, I know going back and listening to it, he told me he would, uh, cause he forgot what it was, <laughs> but I think it's an, I think it's an absolute great song and talk about great lyrics. Look it up on your own on metal archives, if you like, or, or in your CD booklet, if you have it, this is a bit of Polaroids.
talking about the kind of rock and roll orientation of piggy during this era i think polaroids encapsulates that perfectly it has an anthemic kind of quality and there's a a triumph about the music that no it's like piggy's spirit living on you know yeah like he's he's not with us anymore but he's still with us and he will continue to be with us. Well, there's still plenty of personality there on the demos, which they had to build around. Like, you know, yeah, Away was an adept at like being able to track drums without any type of guide track. Like literally he would go into the studio sometimes on certain albums or certain takes or whatever and just have no guide whatsoever. Nothing, no click, no guide guitar, no previous bed of drums underneath. So- I think the reason they were able to do this so well was because of him, you know, because he was able to yeah. do this. The other thing is this song is more complete sounding than a lot of the other things that came out of this era. There are oh, things yeah. on Couture's I like, I like silly clones quite a bit, but I think this one, this one's the most complete. And in fact, we hear a, I think it's a 10 measures, 10 bars uh, of guitar solo, which piggy had pretty much gone away from starting with, the Negatron era, we, we started to hear less and less guitar, whereas on Phobos, all, all you know, guitar solos were replaced by sonic scapes and, and noise and, and whatever. But he's going back to some soloing here, which is kind of novel because he hadn't done it for a while. And Polaroids brings that out. Really great lyrics, again, on Polaroids, I think. Uh, a wonderful track from, from this era. So right around mm, 2008, 2009, they're finishing Infinity, the second of these demo albums. And there's a call for them to play a tribute to Piggy at a Canadian festival in Montreal, I think it was. The band weren't sure if they should do that. Uh, Jason had some physical limitations due to some injuries uh, and some issues that he was experiencing. So he wasn't really keen on playing live anymore, although he was still finishing Infinity in terms of the bass tracks. So through Piggy's death and his funeral and everything, they had kind of reacquainted with Blackie. That was a tough breakup in 91. But they found some common ground and they were able to get back together with him. So it was now the core of Away, Snake, and Blackie. And they had to find a guitarist for these tribute shows. Uh, and they were getting offers. And while they were hesitant to go on and do anything without Piggy, they they felt that the offers were too good. And perhaps they could do something in tribute to Piggy that was respectful. So through the grace and mercy of the universe, they found Daniel Mongrain, who came to be known as Chewy, previously had played in a band called Martyr, which was a band uh, that he and his brother had founded and formed, uh, a technical death metal band, which I know you're a fan of, Hunter. Uh, definitely a fan of Warp Zone, big fan of that record. Yeah. Yeah. He, independently of, of Away and Snake, had befriended Blackie, who was, I think, doing sound for the live shows at the time of their Feeding the Abscess album. 
And also on that album, they did a cover of Voivod's Brain Scan, which Blackie played on. The stars were kind of aligning, right? And Blackie came into the band and then Chewie was invited to be the guitarist on these tribute shows. And Chewie was a student of Piggy. Chewie was a kid who went to his first uh, Voivod show in, I think, 89. It was the Nothing Face tour. Uh, He was very young when that happened. And he he was a student of Piggy. Like this was his favorite band. This was his favorite guitarist. And now he's in the band. Now we know with hindsight, what an incredible choice, incredibly fantastic choice he was for the band. (laughs) This, this guy's the only guy who could fill the shoes of Piggy. Uh, Would you agree with that? Easily the only person. Yeah. Um, The way that he has fit into maintaining the spirit of Piggy, but balancing that against his own personality I just don't know that anyone else could do it. And and he brings, you know, he brings a level of virtuosity to the guitar position too, obviously, because I mean, the guy's, he's unreal. Yeah, um, yeah, completely unreal. Their first album, after quite some years, they the lineup existed for six years. The Mark, what, what are we at now? Four, three, Mark like four lineup. Four, four, yeah, right. yeah, three was Newstead. So here we are at four. Yeah. Um, the one and only album they created was an album called Target Earth. The album came out in 2013. And then by the next year, Blackie was out again, because that's just the way it the way it goes. And I'll leave it at that. It's a good album. At the time, I was really into it. But I think with the albums that have come since, it just shows that Chewie was making baby steps into Voivod as a composer. Thoughts on this album? I like it more than you do. I when the weight came out, um, my estimation of it uh, was somewhat diminished. Because ah, I mean the weight. You, you, wait, sorry, your estimation of Target Earth was diminished by the weight. Yes, by the well, way. naturally. <laughs> I mean, it, it you know it just really, really blew me away. But I um yeah, I was really really into it Target Earth when it came out, but in retrospect, um. Yeah, it's sort of the infant version of this this lineup. Yeah, yeah, the chewy the chewy era for sure. You know, yeah, getting to know each other and you know figuring out how these pieces fit together. But uh, I, I I still do like it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I mean I like it. I just have reservations. It's it's um I wish Blackie were as present on it as he was on the first six. He's there. It's obviously him. Uh, I just don't feel like his personality is quite there the way it was in the first six. Um, Snake, it took Snake a, a while to get back. And I think Snake, oh, now, definitely, about as good as he's ever been, or damn near it. He blew me away on the wake. Oh, yeah. Well, the wake is the wake is to me. Yeah. He had, I like him on the self title. I like him on, on some of Polaroid, some of Couture's. Infinity got some problems with it. Uh, target earth he's okay the wake he's incredible he, like right. snake is back <laughs> you know it took a while yeah exactly it took a while target earth has mechanical mind the title track's great empathy for the enemy is great kaleidos is great i'm picking core étranger, the english translation being foreign body partly because and this is novel but partly because it was the first song that featured lyrics entirely in french uh, of course these guys are french canadian French is their first language. They hinted at French in the prow. Obviously, the title of Le Pont Noir, uh, the Black Bridge. 
and a couple other spots, but they never honored their native tongue the way they did on Corps Etranger. And we're going to listen to the first couple minutes of that from Targeter. After this, as I said earlier, Blackie left 2014. As Voivod will do, they were not sidetracked. They went ahead, steamed forth, and brought in Dominique LaRoche, a.k.a. Rocky. At first, I was a little cold to the idea. Yet another new guy. Uh, some dilution of the original ranks again. And then they came out with an EP called Post Society, which we're not going to play anything from, but which is remarkable. <laughs> like that thing, the four original songs on it are so fantastic. And I say four original because they the fifth one is a cover of Hawkwind's Silver Machine. But the four original tracks are so good. And, and Rocky established himself right away on the bass with an excellent tone, excellent sense of what Voivod was all about. And like Chewy, he was a huge fan. And this is a great synchronicity and the Voivod timeline, but Dominique LaRoche was at the same show on the Nothing Face tour that Daniel yeah. Mongrain was at as a child. They didn't know each other then. So there were two kids in the lineup. Two, Sorry, there were two kids in the audience at that show that would eventually become Voivod Mark V. <laughs> amazing. And not only amazing, but the fact that I, I don't think I'm alone in saying this either, but this 
for me as a as a longtime Voivod fan, this is my second favorite Voivod lineup. This is the best lineup next to the original. They've made the albums to prove that. They've played the live shows to prove that. They are on fire live these days. And we got two albums from this lineup so far. And this is where the story ends for now. We'll see where they go from here. But the first album, the first full-length album in this lineup was called The Wake, uh, which Hunter mentioned earlier as being uh, quite a triumph. Yep. Yeah, and everywhere. We're going to listen to two songs from that called Iconspiracy and Always Moving.
Yeah. What more can we say about the Chewy Rocky lineup than what we just heard from The Wake, I Conspiracy, Always Moving? Uh, another favorite track of mine from that album is End of Dormancy. Just, man, this <laughs> this band continues to impress. They continue to, I think, inspire themselves and challenge themselves. Four years later, and you have to remember, of course, this is through the COVID times, 2020 and 2021, they assembled an album called Synchro Anarchy, which following up The Wake was a huge, huge hurdle for them I, I as a fan. I, I just thought that like, well, how do they do that? My first listen to Sacred Anarchy was a great one, and I knew it was a great Voivod album, but I didn't think it was quite up to the standard of The Wake. Earlier this year, I started listening to it quite a bit. Uh, I think it was in, in anticipation of these Morgoth Tales shows and just seeing them again live for the first time in a few years. And I just fell head over heels in love with this album. And I know there are fans out there who love it more than The Wake. Carl Michael Ida from Virus and Ved Buenzenda being one of them. We can debate this. Which one's better? It's it's kind of like the Negatron Phobos argument. Your thoughts on Synchro Anarchy? It is hard to say. Um, I still love The Wake more. But I, I don't know if that's just some vague emotional preference. But it, I, I don't know that I could objectively say that Synchro Anarchy is inferior to The Wake in any way. Yeah, it's it, it's a little less elaborated. It's a little more direct, uh, and I think that's a product of when it came out. You know, the times they yeah. had to, they had to really assemble it quickly. Whereas the wake was recorded over a very long period of time, uh, relative to kind of how Voivod albums are recorded these days. Man, there's just so much good stuff. They're they're playing holographic thinking on the on the recent tour. Paranormalium is is a highlight, as is the title track. I picked out to end this show a song called Quest for Nothing, which is one of the best Voivod songs, I think, in, in their history. We're going to listen from the two-minute mark to the end. We're going to end the show there. We thank you for listening. If you've listened to this extremely long show, probably our longest, uh, at least the longest since episode 50, we thank you, and we look forward to seeing you and being together again on episode 101 <laughs> which sounds even greater than 100 that's the which technically <laughs> i guess it uh, technically i guess it is but yes. <laughs> by then there's going to be a bit of a delay because hunter will be going off to germany to play the prophecy fest with a band called agalock which my friend i'm so proud of you i have said it before and i'll say it again i'm just so proud i wish i could be there but i have extenuating circumstances here that are keeping me at home You'll but be there in spirit. I'll be there in spirit. Well, <laughs> how many times have I called you from a show and said, or after a show, after a show and said, you were there in spirit? Yeah, yeah we're, we're not even. Yeah, but I wasn't playing there. You know, you're, you're playing. You're playing in a cave and you're going to be playing with Disillusion and My Dying Bride and Bethlehem and, and Laster. Good God, yep. man. Can be you pick, pick me up a copy of that, that new Laster album too? I'm looking for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll make it oh. happen. All right. And then and then charge me for it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be 20. Well, no, the difference is you actually asked me to get it. Sorry. Inside joke. Let's let's not bore the listeners at the end of this three hour show. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm proud of you. And and then then you're gonna be going off not long after that to Portland to play a hometown show with Agalock. So it's Here gonna is. be a while before anybody hears Radical Research 101, but rest assured we will be back in October. And we can't wait. And thanks again for listening. This is Voivod, the immortal, incredible, 
life-giving Voivod. This is a song called Quest for Nothing. Hunter, take care. I love you. Love you. To the death.